Magnus Podcast, episode 11, Why Wyoming Catholic. Welcome back to the Magnus Podcast, a production of the Albertus Magnus Institute Incorporated. With your help, we are dedicated to liberating the liberal arts, and we are not alone. In fact, if you go to our website right now at magnusinstitute.org slash fellowship, you're going to find 12 great institutions that have been freeing minds for years. You might be a graduate or a current student of one of those 12 institutions, in which case, by that very fact, available to you for absolutely no cost is a lifetime fellowship with the Albertus Magnus Institute and all the benefits therein. Do visit magnusinstitute.org fellowship to learn more. One of our goals with this podcast is to travel in person to each and every institution on our list and bring you in-depth discussions highlighting their great work, and teaching along the way. So these first few episodes of the podcast brought you interviews from St. Mary's College of California. Uh, Then we went to Thomas Aquinas College, I think in episodes seven through nine. And we're going to stay out west today, but really take a jaunt into the wild, wild Western tradition that is alive and well in a little place called Lander, Wyoming, which is home to Wyoming Catholic College, one of the youngest colleges on our list of endorsed institutions, really doing the great books and doing liberal education in a way that nobody else is because they start with this primal great book, the first one authored in the canon of all great books, and that is the book of God's creation, the book of nature. And these students are thrown headfirst into survival situations, wilderness. They learn Aristotle by learning to take care of horses. Uh, And they are so alive with wonder and joy. You can just see it as you walk through the streets of Lander, Wyoming. There's nothing else like it. You've got to check it out at wyomingcatholic.edu. Today's episode is the first in a series of three with great minds from Wyoming Catholic College. Fewer men have a better grasp on liberal learning than Dean Kyle Washett, who's Dean, Academic Dean of Wyoming Catholic. I think you're going to love this interview. So, I mean, tons of gems in here. Enjoy. Please share this with your friends if you like it. Without further ado, here's our discussion with Dean Kyle Washett. You, you were here uh, at the very beginning, before the very beginning of Wyoming Catholic College. Tell us how this place came to be. Great. So back in 2003, Bishop David Ricken was the bishop of Wyoming, and he was working with Father Robert Cook, who was a priest of the Diocese of Cheyenne, and with Dr. Robert Carlson, who was teaching at Casper College. And they started a week-long adult learning camp up on Casper Mountain. They brought in Father James Shaw, Deal Hudson, some fellows. Wow. Now, yeah, it was a great group. Um, had spent five days, opened it up to people from all over Wyoming. What year was this? This was in 2003. Okay. And uh, 
they do it and in the morning you get these great lectures and they're doing the readings and then in the afternoon sort of talking and eating food and enjoying and you know all of this going on and what was the age range that was they were really shooting for uh, young adults but there was i think probably 20 to 50 and age age wise you know 20 year olds to 50 year olds some a little older yeah uh, but they were really sort of looking to energize adult leaders adult catholic leadership in wyoming and at the uh, end of the week, Bishop Ricken was talking about how great it had been and said that the reason we were doing this was to create a place of for the Catholic intellectual tradition because there was not a Catholic college in Wyoming yet. Now, to this day, he doesn't know why in the world he said the word yet. He thinks it must have been a slip of the tongue inspired by the Spirit or something. And the response from everyone was overwhelming. Like, yet? Are you starting a college? And... Uh, he and Dr. Carlson and uh, Father Cook talked about it and decided, yeah. yeah did did you notice that that was more of a grassroots thirsting, or was it the initiative of a couple motivated people? Or you know, initially of- the response when he said it to that group of uh, people at the end of the Wyoming School of Catholic Thought, they were just all like, really? Are we doing this? This is what we need. This is great. This is terrific. Which is amazing because Wyoming doesn't... It has one other four-year college in the entire state. So why this thought would have been so clear. There's two four-year colleges in Wyoming. It's us and University of Wyoming. And one diocese, right? Yeah, one diocese, and that's it. And uh, we didn't come to – we didn't open our doors until 2007. So, uh, yeah. But from 2003 until opening the doors in 2007, it only took four years. Wow. Uh, fundraising happened. Uh, tons of sites all around Wyoming were proposed. Uh, Bishop and Father Bob and Dr. Bob traveled around and looked at them. Lander gave a huge donation to bring the college to Lander. Wow. And, yeah, so very much grassroots. Very, very much so. And besides the donation, why did you choose Lander? So um, there were a number of things. Uh we were offered a ranch right outside of Lander, which was the attractive, very attractive. The uh, the parish had said we could use its building. There was the various gifts associated, but when they that was all very attractive. But when we were thinking through it, it was just clear that what we wanted to do at Wyoming Catholic College is we wanted to have a place that was a bit set apart. Where you could have the experience like these adults I have had on Casper Mountain. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> a kind of intellectual retreat for yes. four years. But an intellectual retreat that also lets you go out and experience uh, the wonders of nature. Mm-hmm. As we have the horse riding, we have the backpacking and the rock climbing. And Lander is just a wilderness wonderland in that regard. And so uh, Lander had always claimed it was a college town that just needed a college. And so... We came and oh, that's great. Yeah, and it's yeah, and that was 2007 when we opened the doors. Now, what were you doing at the very beginning? The very beginning. So in 2003, I was the dishwasher at the Wyoming School of Catholic Thought, wow. uh, and so then in 2007, I was the uh, director of student life, the initial uh, sort of professional upperclassman. We only had freshmen that first year. Yep, and so I was running around doing everything that we didn't have other staff designated to do and uh, did that for two years worked, worked in student life did the intramurals was you know organizing dances being there for the students working on the prefect system things like that and then i took a break went and finished my uh, graduate studies in austria and came back as a professor uh, in 2012 wow. so. now, there are you know at least a handful of 
great, great books colleges in this country, and you attended one of them as yes. an undergraduate? I attended Thomas Aquinas College, yeah. What would be... Um, what would be distinctive about Wyoming Catholic for somebody who might be in the market sure. for one or the other? Sure. So I think at Thomas Aquinas College, I loved my experience at Thomas Aquinas College. It was an incredible formation. The The thing that they focus on, they do focus on one thing and they do it really, really well, which is that formation of the mind to know truth, mm. that pursuit of truth and that rigorous philosophical deduction and the encounter with it in mathematics and science. And they do that in spades. That's a pretty good thing to do. It really is an well. amazing it's, thing to do. If you're going to pick one thing to I do know. Really, really well, that's it. I know. Uh, and and it, it is great. What um, is going on at Wyoming Catholic College, what we inherited from both Bishop Brick and Dr. Carlson, uh, which is in the uh, tradition of the educator, Dr. John Sr., who used to teach yes. University of Kansas. And there, the claim John Sr. meant, who was friends with the founder of TAC, Ron MacArthur. John yep. Sr. and Ron used to teach uh, week-long courses in Wyoming at a Catholic camp. Um, and what John Sr. stressed, what we've inherited, is that what we want to do is not just t- train the mind to know the truth, which we think is a great thing to do, but we also feel that we want to dispose the person to know that truth well. Hmm. Um, and that, that disposition to know the truth is so that you don't just turn it into merely head knowledge. How is a truth known poorly? So it seems to me there could be a not, couple. Not to say the yeah. TAC. No, no, exactly. Yeah, so not speaking to TAC, but, but how might one uh, risk knowing the truth poorly? Yeah. Um, there, there's a couple of ways it seems to me that could go. Right. One way is... You think of it as you've now mastered it. You know, it's sort of following St. Paul, the knowledge puffs up. Hmm. And, and you, you become inflated in the knowledge of the truth um, and somehow don't see it as an entrance into a knowledge of a reality that's greater than you, but think that you're the master of this information. And that makes you exceptionally special. And uh, there you go. And in fact, you are no longer in a humble attitude toward the world of what more there is to know, but a kind of arrogant know-it-all, right? In other words, you're, you become uh, poorly disposed to wonder. Yes, you have, in fact, lost wonder, right? Yeah. That knowing the truth has made you a person with less of an intellectual desire for the truth. Doesn't this, in a way, describe modernity as a whole? This sort of uh, knowledge is power? Is- yeah, exactly. This knowledge is power sort of an approach. It seems to me that that's very much there. I think maybe even more precisely, we might say the risk for modernity as a whole is a broader symptom of this that results in this idea of uh, losing wonder, which is to think of truth as a private thing, not my a truth. common good. My truth, my your truth, truth, your I truth. Have my truth. Uh, and, and that can hurt on both the, say, more relativist side and even on the more, say, moral absolutist side. Uh, the, the, those of us that think there are actual moral norms and objective truth that How one so? can know. Say more. Uh, so it seems to me this. So if truth is a common good, Augustine says in On Christian Doctrine, he makes a comment about uh, certain goods. He says there's certain goods that if you can have them, and then when you share them, you don't lose them at all. Mm-hmm. then you don't really have them until you've shared them. Mm-hmm. So if I have a chocolate chip cookie and I share it, I actually have less chocolate chip cookie. So that's not a good that isn't decreased by sharing. It's in fact decreased by sharing. That's the nature of that good. It's a private good. But there's other things 
that in fact if you don't share them you don't have them in their fullness think of a joke hmm. if you hear a really good joke that joke is meant to be shared you want to tell the joke to a friend and in fact if you don't tell the joke to a friend you actually don't really get what a joke's for yeah so truth as a common good is the kind of thing that's meant to be shared so if you're a moral relativist and you think there is no truth or it's my truth, my perspective, your truth, your perspective, well, the truth isn't something to be shared. Wouldn't we say the same thing about life itself? Yeah. Like our Lord says, if you, if you want to keep it, you've got to give, give, it give it away. And in fact, John Paul II wants to talk about this, right? That's fundamentally the right understanding of marriage and family life is that this is a common good. It's a sharing. The, yes. the person is meant to give themselves to another. Now, on the flip side, if you think over here to I'm, I'm someone who's concerned about the decay of moral society, to concerned about relativism. And so then I think of truth as the thing that I need to keep precious and safe, mm. and I hold it. Occasionally, I might use it to beat back bad guys, yep. uh, correct my foes in public. But the rest of the time, my job is to sort of keep it. Well, then again... Well, there's something true to be said of that, just like there can be something true about truth. Can You can have different perspectives on the truth, on the relative side. There's something true about the desire to keep and preserve the truth. But ultimately, truth isn't a weapon to be used to fight political opponents, and truth isn't something that's a private possession to be saved. Truth is something that's meant to be shared. And when it's shared and when it's, when it's there, when it's true, when it's apparent, it, it ultimately becomes something... Tremendously power yeah. to, to the formation of culture and to the beating back of enemies. Exactly, exactly. And so much so that St. Augustine would say, if you're not sharing the truth, you don't actually know it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Right? And so, so that, again, then comes to this idea of truth is a common... If you know truth badly, you're not actually know you're not sharing it you're so this explains a lot this this characterizes the ethos of wyoming catholic college you kind of see it in the students eyes absolutely you go. absolutely so our two things is we want to give them a disposition to truth where they will continue to wonder as they go and we want to give them the tools to be able to share that truth like those are both actively embedded in the curriculum and I think we're the only college that says we're going to do all three of those things yeah. in this sort of holistic and way. And not only the curriculum, but the the lifestyle. Exactly. I mean, you see, um, you know, even how you're dining together, you're at mass together. Um, you know, you're you know, you're doing a noble job of fitting 180 students into the you know the space that you have That's here right. in Lander. And the students have really um, leveraged that to their advantage. I, I agree. I agree. And in fact, that's one of the things we will tell visiting students when people ask that we think a central aspect of the education is this living in community together. Yes. Uh, that, that is what's going to help us constantly remember what it really means to know the truth, to feel wonder for it, and to share it. You learn that by living in a community of friendship with faculty, staff, and students, cramming into the dining hall together, walking up and down the streets of Lander together, going camping together, staying up late in the dorms, right? The, all of this stuff is an essential part of that formation. And the, fa the, the faculty seem especially involved in the, in the students' lives. They're everywhere. They're, you guys are dining together. It's, yep. it's very collegial, even between faculty and students. Exactly. Pope Benedict XVI talks about the relationship between teacher and a student is fundamentally a relationship of friendship. And that seems, if you don't think of the relationship between teacher and student as fundamentally one of friends, 
Again, it's this wrong idea of the truth. The truth is not this good that we're sharing together. The truth is somehow information that I'm stubbing into your throat because you're a consumer that's paying for it, right? That's not the model. But these students, right, they're, we're sharing the greatest stuff there is with them. And so we'll have lunch with them and have great conversations. Um, I've gone on backpacking and canoeing trips with the students. And we, you know, look up at the stars together, pray together. Yeah, it's it's a... Yeah, it's I feel so, incredibly privileged to teach here. It's so beautiful. As you speak of this, I'm meditating on uh, this this notion of truth as the shareable good. And this even brings us back to like before the fall of Adam and Eve, like when things stopped being shareable, when husband and wife are covering themselves against each other. And, you know, I don't want to romanticize what's happening at Wyoming Catholic, but there's definitely something that's um, uh, bringing people back to the beginning of things. No, there, there, there's a way, right? It's a call, yeah, back to the first. In a way, it's a call back to the first that's not going to erase the, erase the fact that we're fallen no, Of course, beings. yes. All right, but, but we're trying to go back to that rootedness in nature, trying to go back to that sort of fundamental first relationship. Yeah. That, sure. Yeah, these are things held in common. In Christ, yeah. that's what happens, right? Amen. I mean, that's the, that's the one, the ultimately the shareable body is the Eucharist that we all partake from. And exactly, right? Saint, Saint Cyril of Alexandria makes that point. Says uh, when Saint when our Lord is praying in John chapter seventeen about that they, uh, that they, they, be they, they all be one. Saint yep. Cyril says, "What in the world does that mean? Yeah. What, what, what is, what's he mean that they're going to be one?" And he says, "Well, there's a oneness because they share um, faith." That's a kind of oneness, a likeness to the way the Father and the Son are one. He goes, but that's not enough. Right? The Father and the Son are not one just because they think the same thing. Um, right. And then, then our Lord prays, and he goes, well, they also will the same thing. right? That's also a unity of believers. We will the same things. We love the same things. So we know the same things. We love the same things. right? That there's something there that's of the unity. But then St. Cyril says, no, no, it's even more important. right? Because the Father and the Son are one by sharing a common essence, a common substance. And so the believer, when we come and share the common substance of our Lord's body, we enter into this union, not just of what we think, not just of what we will, but how we are together, of being Amen. together with God. I was amazed, but I was talking to, uh, uh, to President Arbery about this, uh, but the, the way that the liturgical life of the church animates what's happening at Wyoming Catholic. It's central, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And now we have uh, sort of this full breadth of the church's liturgical life. We have the Byzantine liturgy, we have the extraordinary form, we have the ordinary form. Uh, this public work of the church, right? This fundamental thing. Part of that, the reason we wanted to animate what we do, is it goes back in part to this claim about the rightly knowing the truth. The way, if you really know the truth about God, then your response to that is not to sit there and think, I'm so glad I know the truth, though there's something to be thankful for, but the response, as Joseph Pieper says, is one of worship. Mm. Yes. And so we, we want the students, when they come out of class, at, you know, our, our mass is in the middle of the day, our divine liturgy begins the day, uh, but in either instance, we want the students to come out of their experience of studying, of conversing with each other, and think, wow, the best thing I can do now is go worship. We just had this great conversation about who God is. It's beautiful. The, so there's a there's a built-in exitus and reditus yes, exactly. in, into the very rhythm of your academic life at Wyoming exactly. Catholic. Exactly. How much of that was intentional versus organic? You know, there, there's a... Because that's amazing. It, it, it is. Um, I, I, 
very often in the life of Wyoming Catholic College, right, we're blessed by these divine coincidences, right? So to say how much is intentional is always hard to note. Yes. Uh, the founding president of Wyoming Catholic College, who is now a uh, uh, solemnly professed Benedictine monk who lives as a hermit um, in New Mexico, but his goal even from the very beginning when he was starting the college was that part of the rule of life for the college would be this Benedictine model, wow. which has built into that, that exodus, exitus reditus. It's palpable. Just spending time here, I mean, it's one of the first things I noticed. Yeah. It's, I, it's very Benedictine. Yep. I'm so glad to hear that. Yep. It's, it's built. In fact, um, the entire school, once every four years, gets together, and we're doing it this year, in fact. We have our all-school seminar, and uh, this fall we're reading the Rule of St. Benedict. And just to reflect on precisely, yeah, what is this Benedictine character that's been here since the oh, beginning? That's and how beautiful. Do we that? Now, um, all all we need to do is get the word out and get people, you know, because like there's such a a need for what you're doing here in the church and the world as a whole. I mean, can you imagine a world that in which you know everybody graduated from Wyoming Catholic? Exactly, right? It's, I'm always amazed. You know, we we have 180 students here, and I think. Wow, this this is again a good to be shared. If there was, we would love to share it with more. So two of your it. students, I I knew when they were in high school, and I and I you know gave them a good nudge. And there were a lot of other factors involved, but there were obstacles. Um, you know, just the whole practically, what am I going to do with this? It's so difficult to sell somebody on the the value of a liberal arts education who hasn't experienced it. So how do you do that? Sure. Yeah, no, you're, you're right about the sort of the fundamental difficulty. Socrates raises this issue uh, in the dialogue Protagoras. Uh, someone wants to go study under Protagoras, Protagoras who is famous for teaching that man is the measure of truth. Mm-hmm. And Socrates is like, well, do you know you want to study under him? And he says, he warns him, says the problem with education is that it's not the kind of good that you can evaluate ahead of time, right? So I want to Anything else we buy, we can look at our Amazon reviews and decide whether we're going to... But the good of the education, in one way, the real intrinsic good of it, you can't appreciate until you've gotten it. It'd be like trying to, you know, somebody who just got cochlear implants after being deaf their whole life, and you try to explain to them what music is without playing the music. Right, right. There's a way... And then having heard music, they'll say, oh, that was great. Mm -hmm. But they have to trust you that hearing the music will be good. Yeah. At, at some level, that's certainly the case in So education. practically, how do we do yes, that? How, so, how do you right. respond to parents who right. say, well, well, my kid's not going right. to be able to do anything with this. It's useless. So, so there, you know, it's worth, as I say, we say, well, look, at some level there's trust. But on the other hand, don't worry. Let's show off some of the amazing things that happen with the education. Uh, increasingly, you know, when we talk to, when I talk to businessmen around Wyoming, their frustration is they're getting these people right out of college, who've studied for four years, and they don't know how to problem solve. Yep. They don't know how to think. They don't know how to work with people. They don't know how to dialogue. They hit a problem, and they're not sure how to resolve it. So one of one of our first graduates uh, from or in our first graduating class, he uh, decided he was going to go work uh, for the oil field. It's a common thing around yeah. Wyoming. And he was working for the oil field at, for Halliburton, and... Halliburton had decided to start a program where they were going to train their own engineers because they realized they can give 
the kind of technical knowledge they need the people to have to be good engineers out on the oil field. The problem is they were hiring these people that had engineering degrees right out of college, and they'd put them out on the oil field, and they don't know how to work with their oil crew. Yep. They don't know how to work with the group. They don't know how to respond to you know something new comes up, bad weather, etc. So when they came to our student... And he was telling them about the education. He'd done the three-week backpacking trip in the wilderness. He'd done this and that. You, you've got the leadership skills. You've got the communication skills, the critical thinking skills. We're going to put you through an accelerated crash course in Halliburton engineering. And you're going to be an engineer for us. And I bet that's not a... uh you know, an unheard of situation. It is not, right? And in general, that's the thing the liberal arts education gives. Yeah. Right? And, they, and that you think about problems from a wider perspective, dialogue with different exper- experiences, perspectives, communicate that effectively. All of those things come from spending time studying and thinking deeply and talking with other people. Um, the kind of education we offer is, in fact, the exact person businesses are looking for manager material. And so you don't have an abundance of students who graduate and find themselves working at Dairy Queen and don't no, have a... No, no. You know, we, we've got... Now, do they do they do jobs all over the map. We have students that feel a real call to service. We have students that work um, in the medical field. We have students that work as uh, in law enforcement that are really, because they have this desire to give and protect the community and give back, students that have gone into uh, politics. You know, one of our one of our graduates was the uh, PR coordinator for the Wyoming uh, congressman wow. back in D.C. Uh, we've had uh, students that, a lot of our students go into teaching. And just, it's a natural fit. You've spent four years talking and thinking about that, and you want to keep sharing those ideas. And How about vocations to religious life? Yes. Uh, so we've, we have a number of students have either gone, um, some of them have discerned, uh, several have discerned and spent a couple of years in monasteries and then gone on to do other things. Uh, we have a, uh, one of our graduates is in a Benedictine monastery just in northern Colorado. Uh, mm. She's a professed. Uh, Benedictine nun down there. We have uh, men who have joined. We're a young college, so we ha- we don't have a lot of ordinations to tack on yet. But in terms sure. of your first graduating class was 2011. 2011, right? So, uh, but we have a number of men that are in seminary for diocesan seminaries or for uh, religious orders, uh, the Dominicans, and we're we're imagining that number will just continue to grow. This the people who have a liberal arts education are people who, as we've said have a wonder and a desire to worship the author of that truth and to share that truth. Yeah. Teaching religious life, those are the kind of things that are going to be attractive to those people. So it's a good investment. Absolutely. And you don't want people to graduate with debt, right. exorbitant debt. Right. No, so that's the other thing to stress, right, is that uh, we cap what we're expecting the students to come out of with debt. We, we're, we're gonna, we are committed, again, this principle that truth is for everyone, the truth is a common good. This is not an education for elites, right? This is an education that if you are capable of doing this education with us, then we're going to make that possible for you. Now, we want you to put in that effort. Yep. You know, so our students work during the summers to help pay their tuition. They have work-study jobs. They're, it's not an easy thing. Um, if their parents are able to help, we ask them to help as well. But we're not going to expect you to take out tens of thousands of dollars of loans every year so that you can get this education. You're going to graduate gonna Wyoming Catholic with less than like a car loan. Exactly. It'll, it'll be cheaper probably than, than a new car. 
Uh, How about that? Exactly. That's a great, a great deal. Yeah. And again, as a parent, when you're thinking about this, right? Yes, we all want. I'm a father of five, right? We all want our children to grow up and be successful, right? To be able to make it and provide for those basic necessities. But we also want our children to live a full, meaningful life. Yeah. And so I, I do not want my children to go to an education that's going to turn them into a cog in the machine and just go into their cubicle day in and day out. And sure, they pay their bills, but they're depressed. Right. And depression is increasingly a thing that is the mark of this youngest generation, the millennial generation and the rising uh, Generation Z. Depression, loneliness, right? These are people who are thirsting for authentic friendship, thirsting for meaning and direction in their lives. And if your child can get both the skills to succeed in a career and to be able to f- find what life is all about, why wouldn't you do both? That's well said. And I see it here. You see the joy in their eyes, you know, just walking around. They're just aware of other people and it, it radiates. Yes. I, okay, we have some of the best students in the world. I am so lucky. Yeah, to it's, work it's with really these, impressive. These men and women. Yeah. Um, so is there a particular kind of student that you would really recommend come check out Wyoming Catholic College? I mean, I'm, I'm prepared to say anybody should. Yeah, uh, it's, at some level, I think that's true. Uh, you know, there's going to be, I'll say, look, Wyoming Catholic College is hard. Yeah, you're going to work hard. You're going to work hard. You're going to walk a lot. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you know, you're going to hike. The first three weeks you're here, you're going to be carrying a pack that is 30 to 60 pounds, and you're going to hike, you know, yeah. 60 to 100 miles. I mean, just every day you're going to, like, walk a and mile then, And then the you dorm. get here. Yeah, exactly. The dorms are about, uh, exactly, about one mile away from the uh, cafeteria and the classroom. So you're going to walk in all kinds of weather, and Lander has all Which kinds of so weather. Which is so beautiful to see, by the way, the students. It's almost like a vascular system, like, feeding out into Lander. You <laughs> That's right. You drive down the street, oh, Wyoming Catholic, Wyoming Catholic. And then when you're here, we tell you what courses to take. There's no electives, right? So you're going to take Latin, and you're going to take intensive mathematics and science courses and theology courses and philosophy courses, uh, literature courses. So how do you respond to the student that would object to that and say, no, you know, I want to be uh, a marine biologist, and so I need to take these courses. What's the upshot of being told what courses you're taking? Sure. So the advantage about that is, again, reality is something we step into, not something we get to pick and choose. Truth is an integrated whole made by one author He's written a book for us to discover. God has written this book of reality for us to discover who he is and the truth that he's invested in reality. And so education is entering into something that's bigger than you and taking part in it. It's not a sort of a la carte cafeteria. That being said, this will set you up well to be able to think deeply about specific questions in marine biology or law. Sure. So again, all of that's to say this is hard. And in fact... Every student that comes here is going to feel stretched. Yep. If you're exceptionally great at Latin, fantastic. But you may not be a great horse rider. But guess what? You're going to learn, have to learn how to ride a horse too. Yeah, you may be a brilliant athletic hiker, but it may be really hard to do the discipline of mathematics. Yeah. Great. That's yep. what education's about. Yep. So what we need from a student is not that you are guaranteed to be perfect at everything we offer. In fact, No one's going to do that. We don't expect that. It's going to be hard. It's going to stretch everyone. What we need from a student is that you come with a zeal. Yep, yep. Fundamental desire to do this. 
and a trust that what we're asking you to do is good. And it, exactly, because they're entering into this is the great books tradition, right? They're entering into a conversation that's been going on thousands of years before they began, right? And it will continue, God willing, thousands of years. And and when they enter into this conversation, you know, I just from my personal experience studying the great books. Um, it, you know, where I went to college, there's people I have, I'm friends with people who graduated in the sixties, in the seventies. And it's like, we were all in the same class. Exactly. Exactly. This, this, these are the same questions people are asking. And in fact, when you're reading the great books, it's this great, exciting moment, right? So you've just, you know, worked through Plato and then you're reading something from the Renaissance where they're citing the text that you just read. They're having a conversation with you. About the conver- about the text you just read. That's right. And so it's a conversation that you're entering into both across time and then even in society, right? The more people that have that common sharing, you're in that conversation with them. That's right. And you're going to be in it for better or for worse, whether or not you understand it. Because everything you're worried about in society, everything you're worried about in politics is all downstream from this philosophy business. It's downstream from this great books conversation that great the great minds have already hashed out, and you got to figure out which way is up. Yeah, you're asking these questions, exactly. The, que- the, the only It's not whether you ask these questions as a human in this life or not. The question is, do you think about them well or badly? That's right. And so uh, students were just, uh, I was meeting with some students, and they were commenting about the, the intensity of it. And one of them asked, well, do you think, do you expect students to be able to do this? And, and I told them, I said, well, able to do this is something that can be said in many ways. At one level, we are reading, you know, the greatest achievements in human thought that have happened over millennia. Yes. And so that we feel like, wow, it's hard for me to keep up with these conversations. It's hard for me to follow what Euclid or Plato or Aristotle says in this situation or that situation or to understand the nuances of Dante. Say, yeah. That's how your professors feel, too. In fact, that's how every human being should feel, right? These are big questions. These things exceed us. So when we're saying, what does success look like? Success does not mean that I have mastered this cold and I have no more questions. That's right. Success has meant that I have entered zealously into this conversation and I am excited to keep going. You stumbled into wonder, and that's that's something that's inexhaustible yeah. and always pointing beyond itself. Exactly. Into the next life. Yep, Exactly. Um, a, a sort of a, a loving desire to ever know more. Now, most of the world, here's the downside of um, a philosophical education of any kind, right? Is that, uh, well, you're you're probably going to get murdered, right? That's what, what, <laughs> what so Socrates so- will point so- out. Yeah. Socrates can evidence to this. Um, uh, and as I was talking to your students over dinner the other night that uh, – you know, most of the people that you're going to bump into in the world haven't really thought deeply about about these questions, and and you will have, and that'll kind of give you a leg up. But how do you stay uh, grounded in that? Yeah, yeah. So again, in some because you said it's not this is not an elitist yeah, education, exactly, right? Right. So there's it goes back again to it's just really hard when you're studying this, doing this kind of education. It's really hard not to be puffed up by the knowledge, yes. right? And not to despair about your ability to share it. So we, we try to put some things in to help them out. So, uh, such as? So, so, such as, all right? So um, let's, let's talk about the groundedness of it, yeah. right? 
you know, you can be really, really excited about this new realization you've had about what Aristotle says the soul is. And it's an exhilarating experience, which is great. It's great to have. But then you have to go get on a horse after that class and find out that, in fact, no matter how well you may be able to explain to the horse what its soul is, making the horse listen to you and move in the direction you want is not as easy. Right. It's just a confrontation with the real world that puts the beautiful abstract insight about what it is to be an animal, according to Aristotle, with actually working with an animal. Yep. Um, and that kind of back and forth, that sort of, oh, shoot, now I've actually, whether that's formally in the curriculum, like riding horses or working together while you're on an, a canoe trip. I, I was sat in on the uh, equestrian training yes. yesterday, and uh, the instructor is this amazing uh, cowboy Aristotelian. Yes. That's why I describe him. Uh, but he, he says, you're going to ride this horse up to the top of the mountain. And and the horse is not going to be fulfilled by getting to the top of the mountain. You know? <laughs> That's exactly right? it. horse just needs to be comfortable and well taken care of. Yeah. And you're going to be fulfilled by getting to the top of the mountain. That's right. something human. Right. But you, you've got to And you see the, the eyes of the students just light up. They, yeah. they become aware of something that never... Right. And then they're assigned to that horse. They work with that horse all semester. Yeah. Uh, they, they know it. They get to know it well. And yeah, it just keeps them real. Yes. It just keeps them real. Other things about the college life do that, right? We don't have a janitorial service. Our students are our janitorial service. Mm-hmm. It's a common good. Every, there's some of us that are assigned to clean up in the dorms. There's some of us assigned to cook the food. There's some of us assigned to work on the cars. We're all working together to make the community work. And Again, it's that groundedness. Life happens. You need to be rooted in life. And if you don't do your job, there's real consequences. So I think there's, that's the groundedness element of it. On the actual how do we share this, we try to invest in some formal training. So all of the hmm. – partly we do a lot of work in the outdoor program with how do you communicate your goals, how do you communicate the vision, how do you work with a group, a coordinated group, work with people at different levels. And, and that helps. But then come junior year in the outdoor program, uh, one of their assignments in the front country, as opposed to the trips in the back country, they have to do a junior leadership project. And, in, and that junior leadership project can be a variety of things, and they have to do another project in their senior year. One of the things our students have done is that they've organized it, that we go out to the uh, Wind River Reservation, which is about 20 minutes outside of town. Yep. And... Uh, they uh, teach the uh, religious education classes on Sunday. Oh, wow. And uh, it's a very, very different environment yep. from the students we have at Wyoming Catholic College. And so there's a group of students that organize that and go, and they, they're there every Sunday. We've been doing that for the last few years. And that's a challenge. Yeah. Uh, but they get practice. They talk to the pastor of the mission out there. They talk to their uh, leadership instructor who helps coach them through these difficulties. Other students have organized trips where they go, and they, we've done um, regular trips down to Denver to work with Christ in the City. Down in Denver is a great mission group that's working with the poor and the homeless on the streets. Um, and again, the goal is not to go, here, let's go uh, teach the uh, homeless about Aristotelian philosophy. The goal is just Let's go be present to them. Let's wow. go talk to them. Let's go hear their story. So we've got a lot of those things, that certainly in junior and senior year, we even make formal parts of the program that we're hoping, you know, it will still be a challenge. It's always a challenge to try to meet people where they are and talk to them. Like that's one of the, that's why we have the 
gift of the spirit called, called counsel, right? It takes a sort of divine gift to be able to really do that well consistently. That's right. Uh, but we try to try to train them a little bit. And that informs prudence. Exactly. I mean, and it's uh, another thing from the cowboy Aristotelian. You know, he's teaching these, these students about uh, I mean, natural virtues. Yes. Like, that's what the class is. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so I, 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 Kyle Clement. Uh, Kyle Clement. Yes. yes. <laughs> An amazing, amazing fellow. Yes. Um, there, there's lots of things we could say about Kyle. But one of the things that I think is that he's brought is that, yeah, that horsemanship program is broken up over the four cardinal virtues. Yeah. So before you were even on a horse, right, we spend two weeks. We're going to talk about prudence, knowing the right thing to do yeah. at the right time. And he knows his Thomas. That's it, right. It's so it's it's almost comical because if if you see him, he's like he's like a Wyoming That's cowboy. Right. And then he starts. And then he starts quoting about scholastic yeah. scholastic moral philosophy to yeah. you. Yeah, like, oh That's goodness. right. Yeah. yeah. But it's great, and it's true that. You get on the horse, you're learning prudence. Once you're on the horse, learning self-control, working on courage, justice, the common good. And so these students in their sophomore year are living those kind of cardinal virtues taught by a man who both really knows his horses and knows how to think deeply about these things. And then junior year, when they start talking about ethics, when they're reading Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics, and senior year, when they're reading and studying the moral theology of the Catholic Church, they're grounded in this, oh, these are experiences that are real earthy experiences that I had when I was trying what to a treasure. work on cleaning a horse. What a treasure. Exactly, yeah. Well, uh, where, I asked this question uh, to the president as well, but where do you want to be in 10 years as a college? So I think um, in 10 years as a college, we want to be even more rooted here in Lander. Uh, we'd like to have um, buildings that are more permanent, but not because we want buildings for building's sake, but so that we can really be in our hometown here of Lander and that we can welcome more students and we can welcome the wider community. Uh, as you said, we're cramming into a small space. I, I think we'd love to have around 400 students. In wow, 400. It'd be, be, be amazing. That would be amazing. Um, I, whether, keep the same small class sizes. Exactly. We'd, we, we want class sizes to really be around 18 students is the ideal number we'd want. So we'd want a faculty that could support that. Uh, we'd like to we'll have more chaplains to provide for spiritual direction and, you know, liturgies and things to be able to keep that focus. Uh, we'd want to have our, you know, we'd have to build our outdoor program both for what we do for the students, but our, also our core outreach that we offer for people who aren't able to be full-time Wyoming Catholic College students. We'd like to be able to bring in more trips, yeah. take yep. more father-son trips out, do things along those lines. Uh, so really, yeah, at some level, we'd like to just be able to share this with more and more people. What do you need to make that happen? For somebody who's listening and they might not be a student or the parent of a student who could come out here, but they want to help, they know the value of this mission, how can they help? Well, so there, there's a number of ways. Uh, on the one, become part of the wider community of Wyoming Catholic College. We've got uh, podcasts. Uh, we're working with Alberta's Magnus Institute. Stay involved with them. Uh, stay, listen to our distance education. Get involved in the wider conversation that we're trying to start. Yeah. Because, in fact, the good that we want is to share that good. So get involved with that good with us. And that, that'll be a great step right there. Beyond that, word of mouth is a hugely effective way for us to get this tiny college his name out to the wider world. Right. Um, look us up on the website. Find a professor and say, you know, I'd love to bring one of those faculty members out to a group that we have to come give a talk to my high school or uh, my 
uh, parish group or whatever. You know, if there's something we can do to help you, bring us out there. We'd love to come out and share the story, share this good with people. Uh, if you're in a position where you uh, have gifts to give to Wyoming Catholic College, you know, either uh, financial or you've got books that you think would enhance our library, you know, reach out to us and do that. And uh, I think those would be the, the major ways. And of course, of course, we're, we're united in the community of prayer. And so we can always appreciate Amen. that. And you do welcome visitors, right? Absolutely. If somebody just wants to come out. And we would love to show you around. I've love been shown around. around. you got to take them to the, the end of the, what is that, the the river that goes under the sinks in their eyes, the Paposha River. Yeah. You've got to Google this. That's yes, uh, right. Yes. What's no, it called? Sinks, sinks, sinks Canyon. Sinks, sinks Canyon. Canyon. Yes. And this river goes underground. And then it comes out on the other side of the rocks. Yep. But then all these trout are just all gathered there because the water's warmer. <laughs> and they're huge, they're massive huge. trout. Yeah, it's three great. foot trout. That's right. Only in Wyoming. That's right. It's, it's great. You know, come, come see Wyoming. It's beautiful. We, we've got beautiful. We'll take you up into the mountains. Uh, we've got student guides can take you spelunking in our cave out in Sinks Canyon. And we're, I'm going down with the uh, sophomores this Tuesday night. We're going to go tell stories down in this underwater cave or underground cave that goes right next to the underground river you were just talking about. Yeah, I'll go down there with my kids. We'll be telling stories. Come, yeah, come visit. We'd love to have a visitor come say it, come to our liturgies, sit in on a class. You know, you're so young as a college, and I can't wait to see what happens. And the power of the sort of student that I think you're generating, it's like it reminds me of... Um, Something that our Lord says to uh, Saint Maria Faustina in her in her diary, and uh, he says uh, something like, "Take courage; the world is not as strong as it seems." And with the sort of student that is uh, coming out of this place, I, I sense a great deal of of power that the the enemy is going to have a tough time dealing with. And I think that I think that is right. That is our prayer. That's this is it. I mean, you got. You got it's the full package because you got a, a a person who's being deeply rooted in the great tradition, and and being humanly rooted in by the sweat of their brow. That's right. That's right. That's a great combination. It is. It is. It is a great combination. I don't think you find anywhere else. Uh, no, I think I think that's our unique claim. And, yeah. Uh, we we love to be able to offer it. Amen. Dean Kyle Washit, and uh, thank you for being here. Thank you, John. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Um, and what's the website for Wyoming Catholic? We'll link it in the show notes. So, so wyomingcatholic.edu. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you. And for more of that, visit magnusinstitute.org. This has been a production of the Albertus Magnus Institute Incorporated. All rights reserved. See you next time. <laughs>